Have a need for new and exciting products? Zero3D.com takes a clean slate approach to design and manufacturing. Zero3D.com features a wide variety of innovative products for the Harley Touring Market and other Harley Big Twins such as the Softail and Trike models. Zero3D's product line includes parts for performance, comfort, and lighting. You'll be getting components of great quality and are affordable for the rider. Because we are riders, we have a passion for design and innovation, and there is always something new to see at Zero3D.com. All of our products offer easy installation. With the proper tools and a little experience, you'll be able to get a part or accessory from Zero3D on the bike with no welding, grinding, or cutting. At Zero3D, we also have a design team with over 40 years of experience, and because our story is deeply tied to motorcycles, we offer great customer service when you need it. And Zero3D's design team is at all the big rallies where we are talking to riders and are working with riders face-to-face. Zero3D products are distributed in the United States by Drag Specialties, in Europe by Parts Europe and Zodiac, and in Asia by Twin Art. Check at your local Harley dealer and ask for Zero Parts. Visit Zero3D.com or call us at 715-808-808. 0027 if you have any questions about any Zero3D.com product. Design is the landscape of the mind, where innovation dwells. We are Zero, zero Zero3D.com. Good day, everyone. This is Ted of the Motorcycle Man Podcast. Welcome to episode 101. That's 101 times that we have done this wacky thing. All right. Thank you very much for listening, and we appreciate you checking us out and listening to us and being fans. And please, by all means, write to us, send us emails, tell us what you think, what you feel about the podcast and all that crap like that. Today, we have a really great guest. But first, before I tell you about that, I want to tell you that 50% of all contributions and donations to the podcast directly to Vet Rest to help our veterans with post-traumatic stress. And uh, that's a good thing. So it's something you need to do and uh, help out. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, Robert Pandya is my guest today, and we're going to talk about the motorcycle industry and uh, cool stuff. He works with uh, Spokespeople LLC. He's a PR guy. Helps everybody out. Um, Check that out. Enjoy. Joining me now here on the Motorcycle Men Podcast for Episode 101, the owner of Spokespeople LLC Creative uh, PR and Events Agency, uh, Mr. Robert Pandya. How are you doing, sir? Groovy, how are you? Great. And you are out in where? You're in Texas right now. I am in Texas. I live in Texas. I uh, happen to be in the Houston area right now, hanging out with some relatives. But uh, I live just north of Austin, Texas. Yeah. All right. And how's the weather? Uh, Sweaty. But that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. I mean, the locals say it's to keep Yankees away. So, you know, I mean, that's... uh, I, I was raised in northern Illinois... So my joke is I strapped a snow shovel on the roof of my car and drove south until someone asked, hey, what's that? You know, and that's I'm like, this is good for me. I'm going to I'm going to move in. I can deal with heat, but uh, I'm not a snowmobile fan, you know, personally. Let's uh, well, I, I, you know, I'm here in New Jersey, so uh, I, uh, I I'm kind of like on your side there. Yeah. So why don't yeah. you tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been riding and exactly what you do? 
And of course, well, that, and then uh, then we'll get into you tell us about uh, spokespeople LLC. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Well, uh, me personally, I just turned fifty this year, oh. and um, I've been doing uh, uh, two different things in in to pay for the roof over my head. Uh, and that is uh, PR in the motorcycle industry and photography. I started out my career as a as a photographer. Okay. Uh, and, I, and I met actually, you know, it's funny. Like life is just connecting the dots, right? You know, and I can literally I can go backwards in my life all the way to you know to that transition. So um, the primary work has been uh, PR work uh, and. Um, uh, around uh, uh, victory in Indian motorcycles. Uh, more recently, it's been um, uh, NuViz, a uh, the first uh, head-up uh, display company uh, that's uh, commercially available. Uh, prior to my uh, American V-Twin world, I was with Aprilia and Moto Guzzi and Piaggio Group. Um, and uh, uh, actually was with Aprilia when it was just Aprilia before Piaggio bought them. So... Uh, um, did five years of, uh, uh, well, I think it's five, maybe six years of that, um, mostly out of Atlanta. Uh, and then before that I was a, um, uh, a freelance photographer and I did a lot of, uh, photography around motorcycling. I did a lot of photography making com- computer geeks look cool and, you know, that paid the rent for a while and, and, uh, went to the university of Texas in Austin. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just kind of. I fell into the motorcycle PR world. I'm not going to pretend that that anything in my career has ever been like I'm going to go do this. It just I, it just not worked out that way. It's just you know I just like hey that looks cool. Let's it's like it's yeah. like trail riding. You're like that looks awesome, and every now and then it turns into like hellacious you know off road trail. And you're like oh, I made the yeah. commitment to go up there. You know so. So that's kind of been my uh, my career. Oh wow! Now so everything has not revolved around motorcycles no i you know i i truly truly enjoy this i i I know that there are people in the industry who you know work it in the industry but most people in the in the power sports and motorcycle industry are in it coming from a core passion so that's i mean that is me i'm going to be a motorcycle guy there'll be motorcycle guys at my funeral i mean that's you know that's just that's the way it is right yeah Uh, in the automotive world i've run into plenty of like car guys who really don't give a crap, you know, they're, they're really? in it for, yeah, they're in it for business and, and everyone's driven by their own thing. Yeah. Uh, but they're comfortable in car world and, and that's cool for them. But that's one of the things I truly love about, uh, power sports is the commitment that people make to be uh, part of the uh, power sports world. Uh, and there is a get it factor, you know, kind of, you can, you can literally train a dog to drive a car, you know, uh, but, uh, um, I've, I've seen that, you know, <laughs> would might be better than some of the Uber drivers I've come across right. recently, but, uh, the, um, uh, but you know, motorcycling, there's, there's a community there and the word brotherhood gets overused, but that's, that's a reality. Brotherhood and sisterhood is, is out there. Uh, it, th- there's a level of assumed risk, uh, and, and a known reward, uh, coming out of it, and I think that really distills a lot of you know the the roughly five to seven percent of people who consider them part of the motorcycle world. So right now, Spokespeople LLC, yeah, that is your company, and what yes. sparked that? What brought that on? And tell us about some of the brands that uh, you're currently working with. Yeah, you know, I was an employee of Aprilia 
I worked for them directly. And then after I left Aprilia, um, they moved their offices to New York and they kept begging me to move to New York. And I'm like, man, the riding in New York City is not so good, you know? And so was not my world, man. And so uh, anyway, um, that's when I started my PR agency, Spokespeople. So uh, my clients have been uh, Victory uh, and Indian Motorcycle through Polaris, obviously, um, I worked with uh, uh, Kimco through my agency. I worked with the International Motorcycle Shows Tour through my agency. Uh, I've done a bunch of uh, sort of NDA consulting type stuff, uh, and it's, that's all been you know through my own company. So uh, you know, my business advice to anybody out there is if you can be your own boss, mm-hmm. be your boss because it's way way better to have a client than have a boss. You know, uh, and because you can you can. Um, you can be on a conference call in aisle seven at the grocery store at three in the afternoon because that's when it's like sort of least busy. Just a, just a little pro tip for all you guys out there. So anyway, that that's uh, um, really been a uh, um, big part of my, um, you know, my professional life is seeking that freedom. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this one story. This is great. So what originally started with uh, uh, Victory Motorcycles, um, they only needed me for 60% of the week, right? Or 60, uh, 60% of normal hours. Because um, at the time, mind you, this was, you know, gosh, what was it now? Ten, over 10 years ago, okay? Um, at the time, uh, the PR position was both motorcycles and snowmobiles. And as I said before, I'm not much of a snowmobile guy, right? I'll rent them once every seven years just to remind myself why. And um, the uh, uh, so they said, well, 60 percent of the week, you want to just like knock off at three o'clock every day or, you know, whatever the math was. I said, I got a better idea. How about I just take every Friday off? And some silence on the other side of the line. And Mark Blackwell, who is the the top man at, at Victory at the time, says, "Okay, we can do that, you know. And so I swear, man, for like a year and a half, I had every Friday off, you know, know, this is awesome. And then the work started picking up and and uh, we started doing more with spokespeople and and victory started, you know, rocking. uh, And all of a sudden I'm working Fridays and I'm like, God, I screwed it up. (laughs) So so anyway, but, you know, long story short, if you can be your own boss and work in the power sports industry, that's kind of a sweet spot. I think that would be anybody's dream to actually work in the power sport, especially motorcycles, because that's, you know, if, if that's your passion and that's what you get to do every day, that'd be the ideal job. It's it's pretty great. You know, um, the uh, it depends what you're doing in the power sports world. Yeah. Uh, when I when I was with Aprilia, I was their event and PR manager. Yeah. I worked really tight with the marketing uh, director, a guy named Bill Stone, who is a phenomenal guy. Um, and, uh, probably the only guy that could get me to move from Austin to Atlanta. And, um, I, uh, it, you know, and I, 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 it just, we did, we did a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, I mean, just what you learn in power sports in the events world is you can just kiss all your weekends goodbye because that's when everybody oh. else is playing. That's yeah. when you got to work. So the beauty of, and I'm probably creating my own competition here, but, you know, having a little bit of gray hair and, and a little bit of an attitude gives me a little bit of room here. But what I'm saying is that uh, PR and marketing, and that's, that's pretty much Monday through Friday with occasional weekends, 
So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I've got, I've, I found my spot. I got, I got smart enough to go like, you know, events life is pretty cool and pretty fun, but you sure do give up a whole lot to do that. So, uh, well, you can always uh, say marketing and research is your weekends. Yeah, true, true. The, and the beauty part of owning your own business is every time I buy a helmet or a leather jacket, that is safety equipment that I can write off against my business. So, you know, I mean, that is a, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you get to do that a little bit with a microphone and a headset every now and then, too. So, uh, you know, life working good. on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, as far as your, your projects that you're working on and some of the products and developments you have launched overseen yep. and helped grow like your new viz for example tell us a little bit about some of that stuff well you know uh launching products is I, you know i've come to realize that's my specialty i've got this sort of weird macgyver skill set i did nice. i don't have a degree, i have a degree in in uh, photography i don't have a degree in marketing or pr or okay. business or anything like that it's just all my experience has been uh just from doing it uh and uh, and a little bit of gut check um, so what I've come to realize at this stage of my career that, that my specialty is launching products that, uh, is trying to distill what's cool about something. Why should a customer care? Uh, what is this product all about? What are its uh, strengths, weaknesses, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but doing it in a way that is, um, uh, is very consumer driven, uh, because an enthusiast driven, because that's what I am. Okay. So I could not apply the same sort of thing to a, you know, dietary fiber product or a, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, an online mapping service or something. I mean, that's, that is not me. I can't, it's not just marketing as a function, but it's being a fan of power sports. So, um, so really, uh, you know, that's what our company has been around, has been around a lot of launch programs, uh, particularly as I worked with, uh, uh, Indian, um, uh, and being part of that, uh, group for a long time. Um, launching the Chief, launching the Scout, launching the Indian Wrecking Crew, uh, the Spirit of Monroe, um, you know, doing all the work with the vintage guys and, and being the only guy on set who could operate the foot clutch, you know, hand shift bike and that sort of stuff. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of become my skill set, right? And the MacGyver part comes in is I think I'm about 80% good at 80% of things, and and the real truth to that formula is you got to know what 20% you're not good at and what 20% you shouldn't even go near right, right. yeah uh, yeah and so but but knowing that you know that's that's really the key for for success and all of it so but isn't part of that 20% of knowing that you shouldn't do something part of the fun of doing it anyway well, yeah, that goes back to the trail analogy why you know why I uh, I once drove off the edge of a pretty significant cliff in Moab while my buddies were 90 degrees to my left laughing at me. So, you know, <laughs> love Moab. That's a great place. Yes. Ah, I'm surprised yeah, you don't I'm live there. At Moab, so. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh geez. Uh, I now understanding that each process project has a process of its own and it has its own gathering of challenges. What were yeah. some of the most challenging projects you had that you had to work on in the motorcycle industry? The single most challenging product of my career has been the launch of Indian Motorcycle, right? Really? Because there was so much baggage around, um, you know, uh, Gilroy and Kings Mountain and like sort of the pre-1953 old school guys and uh, the Harley-Davidson 
um, you know, the broader consumer who would think that Polaris is a Canadian company. So, you know, I mean, just that stuff that they're just completely wrong on stuff, right? Uh, and uh, the legitimacy of bringing the Indian motorcycle name back into the fold, um, that that is when, you know, you sit back and, you know, I got the... I got the sort of the behind the scenes FAQ document that came through Polaris. Not uh, honestly, gosh, I think it was maybe 24 hours before the announcement went public. Before no that kidding. was given to me, wow, yeah, before that was given to me, there were like five people in the whole company who knew it, it was huge news. We knew it was going to be big news, right? Wow. And so, anyway, so I get that document, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be, you know what a battle between Vic and Indian and what does that mean? And, you know, uh, and then the epiphany hit me that this is history. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking about this, right? So this is history. So what I, what I'm gone and croak, there's going to be somebody writing a history of Indian motorcycle book and my work in launching the brands and in the PR work and our entire team, I'm not taking all the credit for this, but our work, um, leans on history in the most compelling way that no other brand in North America can even touch, right? Yeah. Because uh, if you could bring back Reading Standard or you could bring back Thor or you could bring back, you know, Excelsior Henderson again or whatever, none of them have the kind of weight and the power uh, and, um, and the curb appeal uh, that is the American fabric of, you know, uh, Indian motorcycles folded into the fabric of this country. And uh, so that was a lot of work because that was a lot of just making sure you're not drinking the Kool-Aid from your team or from the room or from, you know, what that one crazy uh, vintage guy says, you've got to do this or what that, you right. know, that newbie guy says, oh, you can make them in Thailand and save a bunch of money. And, you know, I mean, it's like, you, I mean, you really got it. And that's that's where that was sort of the crossroads of like my weird skill set of right. stuff that I do and being an a, a enthusiast. And so my my role um, really became uh, obviously the PR work and everything else like that. But my role really became this sort of internal like smell checker. Does this does this feel like the right thing to do? Right. Uh, and, and being able to, uh, come up with idea, I've always been an idea guy. So being able to come up with ideas, uh, and do interesting things, uh, like introduce the scout on the wall of death. Right. So that was, a that was a sort of semi drunken train ride between, uh, uh, between, uh, the international show in Germany. Uh, and, uh, we were going to Nice, France to visit a friend out there. And, and there's four of us who are all tied to, to this one project, the Spirit of Monroe project, and we're sitting there having some beers on the train, just having a great time. Had a, you know, really enjoyed our, our time at the at the international show, and we're like, man, I, I kind of showed them the scout before I was supposed to, so you know, right. we're past days with them. But uh, anyway, uh, and I said, this is what's next. We got to introduce it in a in a cool way, and we're all talking about different ways of doing that. And it was like Wall of Death. That's it. And I'm ranting <laughs> away on the train, you know. And, you know, this this crazy guy screaming English, wall of death, we need a freaking wall of death, you know, and 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 that is, you know, that ended up being the way that that happened. That's right? how and, you introduced the scout. 
Yeah, we introduced a scout on a wall of death in oh, Sturgeon. Oh, that's awesome. It was amazing, you know? And I was like, so that's what I'm talking about. The weight of that history yeah. is, is really, really important. Right. Uh, and, and I took it really seriously and, and just want to have fun with it. I'm doing that with NuViz as the first uh, head-up display company available where you can actually buy it. And it's fully integrated with your phone and all the other stuff. And, um, and the fun thing is that's a whole new category. Yeah, you know, so uh, for motorcyclists, right? And that's those are the challenges I really like. Um, it's one of the reasons that uh, I'm not necessarily doing work for Vic and Indian anymore. Is we, I kind of well, Victory's gone away, but uh, uh, Indian, I've, I've, I've done uh, from a PR perspective, and not saying that there isn't a whole bunch of cool stuff coming because I do know that there is. But um, you know, I, I had a chance to launch the Chief, the Scout. And the Indian Wrecking Crew. And nice. I'm like, you know, everything else is kind of a version of that. Right. Um, and again, still very cool and still going to be, you know, phenomenal. But for me, as a personal challenge. Like, mm-hmm. what's what's the next thing? And that's yeah. kind of that's where I'm at right now. Wow. And so was the the launch that whole thing with Indian? Was that yeah. the did that aid in the production of gray hairs? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Yeah. Really. I, I swear, if we could have launched with all the different plans that we had, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, we could have launched Indian Motorcycles six times. You know, I mean, wow. there were so many different iterations and so many different, you know, like budget things and and uh, uh, and just it, it was it was really complex. But at the same time, it was a relatively small group of people who were making those decisions, you know? So, um, so it wasn't this like sort of decision by consensus where it turns all the different crayon colors into Brown by the time they all melt it together. You know, yeah. it's just like, ah, who cares? Right. There's a tremendous amount of pride involved right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there, and there was, you know, I mean, there was a lot of pride, right? There's, there's the, the top man, uh, CEO. I mean, this was like, this was, a huge purchase for him, you know, yeah. to get through the board of directors with Polaris publicly traded company to be able to do this. Um, and it's like, you know, don't F it up is right. kind of rule number one. Right. Yeah. You know, and, uh, uh, and I think was said in, uh, in no fewer words to, uh, you know, to our engineers, to our marketing team, to our sales team, to everybody. It was like, you got to do this right. You got one crack at doing it right. And so we took it really seriously. And like I said, there was a whole lot of uh, um, uh, versions of that. Mm-hmm. And it was a ton of work. And and I remember a year after we launched the bike on the roof of the museum in Sturgis, um, the chief at that time, that was 2014, a year later, uh, the, the same team was there. And we were just like, oh, my God, it's only been a year. Because it felt like we'd done three years worth of work wow. in, that, in that time. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a ton of work, hugely rewarding, um, and there and there remains a great team. And the products coming out of there are phenomenal. The engineers get it. And you know, when we first started that, um, the the typical sort of bar talk was, oh, they're just going to take Indian logos and slap them on the tanks of the victories, right? And we're like, nope, we're not doing that. It has to be its own unique thing. Yeah. It, ha- it, ha- it has to lean on its own unique heritage and story. There are no inter- other than nuts and bolts. There are no inter- interchangeable parts in the bikes. Um, it is, you know, uh, it's it had to be done right. 
Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that there's anybody on the planet that goes, oh, man, you know, Polaris really screwed up the launch of India. And I guarantee you there's, you know, there's not too many people in boardrooms in Milwaukee who think that we screwed it up because no, uh, sure not. Uh, yeah, we punched we punched way bigger than our weight on the way in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that momentum is going to keep carrying the brand. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you this. How much hands-on with the product and design did you have? With the design? Yeah. Zero. Really? Zero. Uh, the, the industrial design guys, led by Greg Brew, um, I mean, these are like the secret ninjas within the, <laughs> within the, uh, uh, you know, in the Polaris world, yeah. right? Did you so have they, any input, though? Uh, well... Only, you know, I would get asked, is this, you know, is that cool? What do you think of this? You know, I mean, that sort of stuff, yeah. right? But, you know, nobody, I was just processing oxygen when I was in, you know, industrial design. My background is art and I get, you know, critiques and creative work and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I could, I could, you know, say that I like this version of a headlight better than I like that and whatever, but I couldn't tie it together. Yeah. Those guys speak a whole different language in there and and the design team that that is uh uh the dedicated team that was with indian and then the entire whole polaris design team that that backs them all up and the right. facilities they have man i'm telling you it is it's incredible and if anybody wants to keep writing off polaris just keep doing it because man they're just going to keep coming and pounding wow. and they got all kinds of product coming and the the design group and the engineers I connected with those guys from the first month I was working there. Yeah. Um, Greg Brew uh, invited me in. Uh, he's like, "Who are you?" I'm like, "I'm the guy that's working 60 percent." And he said, "I heard about you. You're taking every Friday <laughs> off." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah." And and so he goes, "Well, since you're going to be launching this stuff, you need to see what's going on." And he brought me into industrial design and opened up the doors. And I saw at the time it was only victory. And I saw all these new victory models that were coming and new snow machines and, uh, um, the, uh, the razor, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I saw the slingshot, uh, way before, uh, you know, it, it was ever public and that sort of thing. And, uh, again, I just tell you the the skill set coming out of those guys just blows me away. Well, with regard to getting back to the hands on thing, did you get yeah. to play with any of those early toys? And do you get to play with any of the toys now? Yeah. No, I'll yeah. say yeah. That's cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I uh, uh, I think I tipped over in my time within other than Elnora, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that bike in a bit. But yeah. um, I think I tipped over one bike. Uh, right in front of a bunch of truck drivers when I was pulling it off a ramp off the back of my trailer and it was a hammer and the big fat tire came off the skinny part of the ramp at a weird angle and I basically dropped it on top of myself and after these like six you know big trucker guys come over and got finished like tearing up laughing at me you know <laughs> that, that was like you know but I did not I did not hurt any of our product right uh-huh. and so so when you're getting on prototype machines that there's one of one, and by the way, that engine is made out of completely billet, blah, 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 and, you know, try not to blow it up, right, mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I was trusted with a lot. I, again, the vintage bike. I, got, I was the only guy um, at the time, I was the only guy to ride. There was a 1948 Indian chief that lived inside the industrial design lab wow. that was like sort of the visual reference for the current chief, right? Right. Uh, and it was just it was there that sit there and eat a sandwich in the conference room. And there's there's this red and white 1948 chief. So I took it over to engineering. 
uh, and and one of the guys over there had a vintage uh, Indian, and we you know we worked on it. The thing hadn't run; we bought it. It was just a visual thing, and I think it had 150 miles on a rebuild. We fixed a bunch of stuff. We got it fired up and running, and I got to ride that thing and wow. and did a story with uh, Aaron Frank with Motorcyclist Magazine at uh, out at uh, Mid Ohio. It was awesome, mm-hmm. and so the. Uh, um, that part of being hands-on and that part of the authenticity thing is uh, that's critical. And I think you know I got along with those guys and and they trusted me in that regard. And yeah. and uh, and the end result kind of speaks for itself. Wow. So what is your favorite part of what you do? The creative, the PR, the visual, the unveilings, or the whole thing? It, my well. You know, it's it's easy to say the whole thing, but the truth is, is it it is the whole thing when it integrates well. Yeah. And I'll tell you that I am my own worst critic when it comes oh, to uh, the I work. Understand. You know, I mean, you see, like the world's best bricklayer will will find that one brick that's a little bit off. Yeah. You know, in a wall he built, you know, and you're like looking at this amazing wall, and you're like, yeah, but I, God, I missed that one. You know, yeah. and it just pisses you off. And, um, and so that's that when, when these things integrate together, um, I would say that the best led by a, a fantastic woman named Julie Alapano, who's also Alonzo's friend, but, uh, um, the, uh, uh, the best launch that we did, the most integrated launch we did with the smallest team was the Indian chief, uh, dark horse, which we launched in Chicago, yes. the photography, the photography matched. The style of the launch match. We rode the bike in Chicago in like freaking February. We froze our asses off, you know, and right down Michigan Avenue. I, they must have been some of the first motorcycles of the year in Chicago going down a public road, right? And um, that the look of that bike, the grit that we put into the photography, the, who the rider was, the the who the photographer was, a guy named Barry Hathaway, the the whole look and feel and integration of that team um, made for a phenomenal launch for what I guarantee was far, far, far less money than, than a lot of folks in the industry could even imagine launching a motorcycle. Wow. So that was, it, that went really well. And that just spoke to the scrappiness of the team and, and uh, sort of shared vision and trust in, in, in the teamwork. That's a huge part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and coming up with cool stuff and executing on it. You know, when you believe in something, uh, regardless of the size of your team, you can pull anything off. It's, it's pretty incredible. Having uh, a real budget with Polaris was a real eye-opener coming from Aprilia where, you know, you were lucky if you got some pasta scraps at the end of the uh, budget <laughs> process. But uh, um, the... Uh, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was a lot of learning. And what you learn is there's never enough money. There's just never, you know, no matter what level you're at, right. you're just like, ah, you're 20% shy. Right. Yeah. And so coming from a freelance photography background where, you know, if, if you didn't have the budget, you figured it out. Right. You know, yeah. if you didn't have the big flash kit, well, you figured it out. And, and, uh, so coming from that, I was always adverse to spending money. So, you know, I, I did things through partnerships and friendships and finding people who wanted to just be part of it and make it, make it fun. Wow. So I want to talk a little bit about, uh, EBR and victory. As I understand it, you did a little bit of work with Buell, correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. It's been a now, with the collapse and the closing of both of those, uh, EBR mm-hmm. and Victory, was that business 
ignoring the marketing and PR aspect of it? You know, was marketing and PR giving given their their, their, their day in the sun to do their job? It, you're actually looking at it upside down because marketing and PR for both of those brands mm-hmm. um, far exceeded the sales. So the impression of those brands was big, right? People knew what Buells were. They knew what a Buell looked right. like. They knew, uh, they knew it was an American sport bike. Um, total volume of sales, you know, as a percentage. So a mm-hmm. percentage of coverage, right? Uh, you know, Buell, um, gosh, I don't, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they were, you know, a fraction of a percentage for total American V-twins sold on the market. However, they would be in magazines consistently. Mm-hmm. They would, you know, as, as, as often as an RC51 would be or, you know. So if you're one-to-one with Honda, you know, who's greatly outselling, you know, V-twin sport bikes oh, on sure. the market or Ducati or something like that, yeah. um, then uh, then you cannot blame marketing and PR, oh, right? Not, no. I mean, that, so that is a market issue, meaning the consumer. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, similarly to Victory, Victory um, uh, exceeded a lot of expectations. But uh, and it was the ownership of Victory by Polaris. Well, not ownership; they started Victory, but uh, the starting of Victory by Polaris that allowed for the ownership of Indian. Just th- those right. learning. Okay. But on on both of those brands, um, they were answering questions that um, vocal consumers were asking but not enough volume of consumers to keep the thing going, right? Yeah. And so it, it's, it is, you know, people think that you can just crap out a motorcycle in six months. It takes forever. We did, we did the Chief from a, from a whiteboard to selling the first unit, no, no, to revealing the first bike in um, two years. And, uh, and in two and a half years, am I doing that right? Yeah, in two and a half years, uh, we'd sold the first consumer unit, you know? And that is, I mean, that is, you ask any engineer, that is a ton of work in a very short amount of time, a white sheet. So, um, you know, the speed of manufacturing, you know, people are like, why are those turn signals so dorky looking? Well, you know, your government had a hand in that, you know, there's a... It's not like the industrial designer guys who I'm fawning all over going to go, I want to make a bunch of really plastic, ugly looking crap that covers the back tire. No, that's <laughs> that's a sling. That's an actual thing that gets measured and yeah. it's like, oh, I can't do that. Right. And so um, anyway, the is uh, a huge amount of money to mm-hmm. launch a brand. So you can look at other brands out there, Fisher, uh, ATK. Um, you know, uh, uh, gosh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Modus, I think, is doing an amazing job. Modus is, is phenomenal out of mm-hmm. Birmingham. You don't yeah. know what a Modus is. I know Modus is, yeah. Yeah, so there's another one. They're punching outside. They're not selling, like, you know, thousands of units a month, right? Um, uh, what's it, Arch Motorcycles, yeah. you know, Camp Reeves yeah. Company? Yeah. They're doing some cool stuff, right? Right. Um, but... Uh, uh, the American consumer, as much as they broadly spout off about one kick-ass performance and I want this and great handling and blah, 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 um, when it comes to the American V-twin scene, that's not really their bag. You know? No. Fun, you know? I mean, the, the Harley, uh, what was it, the XR1200X, the, right. you know, the flat-tracky-looking yeah. Sportster, arguably the best-handling Harley-Davidson ever. 
right, right? in the history of time. And it went away. Uh, and it went away, right? And that bike would not exist had the Italian importer uh, for Harley-Davidson or the subsidiary chief or whatever he was, uh, had he not committed to, I'll take whatever the number was, 20,000, you know, had he not committed to a massive number of those bikes for the European market, that bike never would have existed. Wow. And so um, the truth is in North America, um, the parameters of performance, actual performance uh, are not how most people ride motorcycles. Now I know that there's guys on your podcast who are going to be like, Oh BS, I want the best handling. I want this. I want, you know, I get it. I get it. Trust me. I get it. But the, the reality of how somebody uh, rides a performance motorcycle, I'm not talking about an ultra. I'm talking about a performance motorcycle is akin to how most people who own Jeeps drive their Jeep. Right. You know, exactly. They're not Absolutely. getting them dirty. They're not climbing up the mountain. Yeah. You know, they like the style and that's right. what they want. So. So anyway, that's, uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't want to sound pessimistic about that because I think that there is a market for performance American products, mm-hmm. but I do think it's very pocketed. Uh, I think it's a niche thing, um, and I think that that companies like Arch and companies like Modus, who who understand how to serve that niche, uh, will find their success. But trying to turn that into a broad consumer park, uh, market or product, excuse me. Uh, is like trying to sell, you know, S, like full-size SUVs in England. Where the hell are you going to park the thing? Yeah. And you can't get on half the roads, you know. So so it's a little bit of, you know, what's the product um, that people are actually going to buy? These are yeah. manufacturing companies that have to make money, and they've got to, you know. I never had any of my checks bounced from Polaris, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, um, you know, uh, we're in business to... Uh, to be in business, and uh, and that's uh, that's not necessarily what the consumer wants. No, you know, and from, from a rider perspective, you know, for, from speaking for me personally, we, we don't like to see motorcycles go away. And, right. You know, so, like when uh, EBR, when I met Eric Buell, a great guy, and when you hear that you're closing the doors on him, and then when you hear that victory's going away, you kind of go like. Oh, why? You know, and yeah. initially, uh, the first thing everybody says, they start blaming in the beam counters. That's, a, that's, oh, that's, sure. where, that's, that's where it easy. goes. Yeah. And uh, because, you know, on a consumer level, we don't know. Right, right. I mean, there, there's so much. There's so much to it, man. The liability, you know, the you know, one of the most expensive parts that gets thrown away, like right away, is the exhaust system. It takes so many dollars to to develop an exhaust system that meets decibel levels that meets durability. I mean, they're, they're supposed to go like, you know, 200,000 miles and, you know, and not rot out and you got to be able to ride them around in San Francisco, sucking salt air all the time and parking on the side of the road. And, and the Chrome's supposed to be shiny the whole time. You spend a fortune developing all that stuff. And I can't tell you how many motorcycles I saw that, you know, and sold myself when I when I was a sales guy that, you know, that the bike never even warmed up with the freaking stock pipes on them, you know, and, <laughs> and, and there's all that engineering, all that money, all that stuff just goes away, you know, and you're like, oh, man, you know, so, uh, yeah, I can I can tell you a few stories about interesting ways that companies have to reduce costs. But when it comes to motorcycle product, it's a it's a fully almost fully exposed thing. You know, a car, you can hide the engine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the ugly suspension components and all that stuff. If a motorcycle was made by by um, Chrysler, 
and and made to like that to what they're used to doing you know the gas tank would look cool and the entire rest of the bike would be just like industrial grade ugly wow. you know so. <laughs> we don't, yeah because we don't want ugly bikes oh they did make didn't they, they made that tomahawk yes yes that's right that. yes i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah i think it's, it's steered like the titanic no roughly <laughs> um tell us about the joseph c parkhurst award oh man oh that's i get emotional thinking about that so joe i i i met joe i shook his hand once right and soon after that he 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 was gone and he was the original publisher of uh, cycle magazine which ultimately now is Cycle World, Motorcyclist, Dirt Rider, Sport Rider, uh, Hot Bike Magazine, Baggers Magazine, Motorcycle Cruiser Online, and you know, so, so it's, I mean, he, the guy was a godfather, right? And so there's an award uh, named after him that's given away at an industry event called the Cycle World Trek, and it's an in- invite-only event. Um, it's, uh, well, it used to be the Cycle World Trek, now it's just called the Trek because of all the other magazines. Right. And um, the, uh, uh, and they give away an award to um to somebody who they say personifies the spirit of uh motorcycling and um i'm telling you the the other names on that trophy are just you know uh ray blank and my 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 buddy kyle clack who who rest in peace he's gone now but uh uh, you know, he raised like nine and a half million dollars for the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation through wow. Ride for Kids program. Right. Uh, he was the executive director for that. And so, I mean, just the, the the names that are on that on that trophy are unbelievable. And when they said my name, man, I was I was bawling. I was so emotional. Right. Because I, I literally because because a, a few years, um, you know, prior to that, I mean, just Again, just the, the name. I don't want to get into it too much, but just the just the names of the people who are on that thing are just yeah. unbelievable. And I'm like, I, I just I'm like a little kid who snuck into an adult movie. I'm just waiting to get kicked out, but it's freaking awesome that I get to be part of this. Right? It's now. like sitting on a bench with Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm going like, what the hell am I? How did I get here? You know? And and it's just it is absolutely an honor to be part of that family uh and 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 to get named that and i i told the guys i would do whatever you want me to do i'll you know i'll clean up the you know the uh the pancake grill at you know i just i'm so happy to just i'm honored to be part of it wow. i really am that's fantastic yeah. so tell us about elnora uh elnora oh thank you thank you i'm gonna talk about something that there's a whole other level of excitement uh so elnora when i was working with indian um, I'll rip through this really fast. Okay, hold on. We're going to be in third year in no time, right? So um, uh, we launched the Indian Chief in 2014. Of course, there's a bunch of development motorcycles, uh, pre-production prototypes. You can imagine how many uh, motorcycles were built. Literally hundreds of motorcycles were built and tested to many, many different levels, right? Elnora was a engineer's um, test bike that had seen uh, nearly 10,000 miles of sheer abuse. Just the engineer guys are brutal just because they want to break it. What, what is, what is going to be the problem? Right. Yeah. So this was what's called a uh, production or a, uh, uh, a, uh, PI one production. And int- no, it wasn't production intent. It was a uh, PV production validation, like an early 
early build. So things are still going to change on the bike, but right. most of the chrome is there and blah, blah, blah. And um, so this was – Elnora was uh, one of a series of 10 motorcycles that were run really, really, really hard. And then, uh, and then subsequently they were taken apart. And literally all the other ones were like junked and thrown out and, and go to the recycler. There's a, you can imagine the amount of aluminum recycling that happens at the back end of Polaris there. And so, um, so these, these bikes are crushed and, and destroyed. Wow. What am I, really? Yeah, because it's oh. a pre-production bike. It doesn't meet all the specifications needed for the road. It's a heartbreaker. Oh, there must have been a lot of tears in when that happens. That's a, you know, well, a photographer doesn't just take one picture and go, "Okay, we're done." You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, you throw out a bunch of pictures to get to the good one, right? And so oh, it's no God. different when you get to major manufacturing. You got to do the same stuff, right? Oh. And so Elnora was one of the one of these last, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, PI one builds. And um, the uh, engineer guy was a friend of mine who was a lead program guy, a guy named uh, Glenn Grawlier. And, and uh, Glenn, I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'd like to get a hold of one of these bikes and mess around with it a little bit. And he goes, I think I can hide this one for you. So he calls me back like six weeks later. He goes, I got a bike for you. I'm like, all right, cool. So now fast forward. We, we launched the bike. The bikes are all public. Every Indian in the press pool was immaculate. I mean, no bugs on the chrome, just looked great. Wax paint looked beautiful. Any scratches were buffed out, you know. I mean, those bikes had to be spectacular. Yeah. I get a hold of Elnora. I bring her out to my press fleet guy, uh, Tom Jackson, out in California. And, and, uh, and she's beat up. It's black. It's got old tape goo over the logos so people couldn't see the logos on the bike and all this stuff. I mean, really dirty look. It looked like a rental bike, like some eagle like Eagle Riders rental bike number one or something. Right. And um, and Tom goes, uh, TJ goes, uh, what are we going to do with this bike? And I took a piece of sandpaper and I went right across that big chrome headlight nacelle and just scratched the crap out of it. And he was like, <gasps> you know, because every bike, every bike was perfect. His entire fleet was perfect and beautiful and the white walls were white and so on and so forth. So we took Elnora I cut off a bunch of stuff. I cut down the fenders, um, and I basically turned her into like a dual sport Indian chief. Wow! Uh, we went on the uh, Cannonball Baker Centennial ride, so a hundred years after uh, uh, Cannonball Baker had ridden across the country, we emulated that ride. A guy named Don MD, who I'm pretty sure is on that Parker's Trophy, um, he led that whole thing. And we rode across the uh, um, the country, and we tried to follow his route as much as possible. So there was like 300 miles of gravel and like dirt roads and stuff. Nice. And so I had a 700 plus pound dual sport Indian Chief, the only one in the country. <laughs> and I don't, it, you know, I don't know that it's a, like a recorded fact. I think it may have been the first of the new era Indian Chiefs to ride all the way across the country. I guarantee you, it was the first one. To ride that many miles of gravel road and, you know, and, and go. And I only crashed twice, so I did okay. Uh, then where is that bike now? That, uh, oh, that's a great question. So that bike is in a secret hidden location right now. Oh? Right? Yeah. They can't sell it to me. Oh, and I know you want it, though, right? I wanted it really bad. When I, you know, when, when the contract ended with Polaris, they, um, I got an Indian Springfield, a brand-new Indian Springfield. is like sort of a going-away 10-year kind of gift right? right 
uh, I really wanted Elnora. They can't sell Elnora because she's pre-production prototype and the VIN number is weird and I've, I disconnected the ABS system and all this stuff that like a lawyer's brain would explode, right? <laughs> and um, so my friends at the National Motorcycle Museum, John Parham, who, who passed away um, just a little while ago, uh, but my friends at the National Motorcycle Museum in Anamosa, Iowa, have agreed to take Elnora and, and keep her and tell that story. And she's still covered in dirt and oh, there you go. And a mess and has got, you know, like ugly paint and old faded stickers. And, you know, it's as pretty as all the other Indian chiefs were. Elnora was the dirty girl of the bunch, and she was just going to stay that way. Oh, so she's going to be on display now over at the motorcycle she's gonna, Yeah, she's going to be on display. And, and the weird trivia is... The name, her, the reason her name is Elnora is that is Cannonball Baker's wife's name. Oh, okay. And I figured, oh, yeah, my friend Jen Muki suggested that one, and uh, we figured that if that was a you know stalwart enough of a woman to be named to uh, be married to Cannonball Baker, then that's a good name for my. Oh, wife. perfect. Uh, let's talk about some product. Tell us about yeah. the the Viz product. Nuviz, it's swinging the other end of the spectrum. First. Uh, 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 commercially available, fully integrated head-up display unit, really, and so it's it's made for three different markets essentially: the the adventure riding market. Uh, you stand up on your foot pegs a lot when you're an ADV rider, yeah. so it's nice to have the information like at at helmet level. Okay. Um, for guys who ride naked sport bikes, bikes like the Aprilia Tuono or the uh, you know a KTM Super Duke. They have very minimalist dashboards, mm-hmm. and then once you start adding in all the GPS crap and all the other stuff on the handlebars, it really kind of messes up the bike. Sure. And then what I call technical touring guys, and they, they're not defined by the bike. They're just defined by uh, what they um, want to go do. They want to go touring. So you've seen guys on like Road Kings who have all the crap bolted on the front of the bike, and you're like, why don't you just get an Ultra? And he's like, I don't want that. I want this. I want I want the bike yeah. to look like this, but I want my GPS and I want my cup holder and I want my bottle, you know, I want all my stuff, right? That's me. Hello. And, I busted. And so the uh, the whole point of this uh, head-up display device is it brings to just outside of eye level, just underneath your eye level, it brings um, a GPS system. It brings all your communication, so your telephone thing. Um, it brings your audio entertainment, so your music playlists. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a speedometer built into it, and it also, because of the GPS functionality that doesn't, by the way, come off your phone, it's actually built into the device. But um, the GPS functionality, it knows what the speed limit signs are, so it can actually okay. tell you if you're speeding. So you kind of lose that excuse with the officer. But um, <laughs> uh, it's a. Uh, it's a really uh, it's a it's an interesting device. It's just under seven hundred dollars. Um, I own multiple motorcycles that fit all those different categories. My right. Springfield, my uh, I have a Yamaha uh, uh, FZ09, uh, and uh, and I have a KTM adventure bike. Now with my one helmet, my my GPS, my audio, my music, my phone, all that stuff carries from one bike to the next. Without me having to like move, move all your stuff, buy three different mounts and all that other like wire it into my bike and all that other crap. So, so you're telling, so you're saying with the new Viz system, I can get rid of my GPS on my on the mount on my handlebars. I can get rid of my phone holder, and I don't necessarily need my UClear uh, communication system. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. And as a bonus, you don't need to bring your GoPro along either because it has a camera built into it with a remote control trigger. So it's oh, built okay. right on the chin bar. Yeah. So wherever you look, you know, you can hit it so you can see a live view if you want. Uh, and then you can align your shot and click the picture and, you know, and it automatically downloads to your phone. So when you take your tinkle break down the road, you can, you know, you can do your social media and uh, it's pretty great. And for all the people who are like, Oh man, I don't want all that crap on my helmet. That's just going to be distracting, or that's what it's you know. There, there is an option. Just don't buy it, right? So right. the, uh, yeah. uh, but there are tons of people out there who want all that stuff, uh, who understand how to use it and understand. Um, oh, now we're in a heavy traffic situation. I'm going to keep my eyes up. Uh, but it it brings that information to where you're not looking down into the cockpit. It's it's right there. So when you want to reference it, it's right there. Uh, and, um, uh, I, I really think it's, I genuinely think it's cool. I've never, ever, ever worked for a company or sold product that I didn't believe in. And, uh, when I met the new Viz guys, I was like, holy cow, this thing is, this thing is cool. It's revolutionary. And I'm, I'm really happy, uh, to see how it's working and be part of that team. So you're using it. Oh, heck yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's not distracting to you just being right there under your eye at all. Not doesn't bother you at all. It is no, it's not because wow. it, you can tap the power switch and it just turns the screen off. So if you're getting into like hairball traffic situations yeah. and stuff like that, uh, then you know it's the old saying is if you don't like what's on the radio, change the channel. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I mean, you just you, you tap the button, it turns the screen off, uh, and then uh, and then when you want the information, you tap it again. The screen is there, uh, and the um, uh, and there's a separate remote switch that mounts to the hand the left side handle pod of your uh of your bike right uh and, which is transferable between bikes right and that's the remote control to, to run the camera to run to scroll through the screens it's actually all really wow it's intu- yeah it's intuitive the way that oops sorry sorry right. uh, it's intuitive the way that um uh a um you know, that, that like a mouse with a scroll wheel. You're like, what's that? You know, and then you go, oh, if I click on it, it does that. And, you know, and it's like, oh, OK, now I get it. Right. right. These buttons do that. And and so it, it really is a uh, it's a great tool. Uh, and uh, uh, it's made for the person who's not scared of tech. Oh, yeah. uh, plenty of analog Luddites out there who are still s- mad that we've got uh, uh, you know, fuel injection on motorcycles, you know, <laughs> God forbid we got water cooling, that's going to blow a whole bunch of people right out of the mix. Right. So anyway, but it's, uh, there's plenty of people who are interested in that yeah. and news is bringing that to the market. So uh, it's not recommended for people who wear half helmets or brain buckets, right? Well, it's, yeah, it's designed to go on the chin bar of a standard, <laughs> of you know, motorcycle helmet. Uh, so, yeah, those guys are out. Unless yeah. you're going to, you know, crazy glue it to your, you know, your huge beard. You're <laughs> no, we're not going to happen that. So tell us, how's that uh, upcoming uh, rider cooling system that you're working on? <laughs> yeah. It's all secret stuff. I can't tell you about that. Sorry. <laughs> That's why I'm in Texas. Hey, if, yeah. you go, if you go to Robert's... Uh, uh, what, what page is that on your that's on your instagram page or is that on your uh, linkedin oh, page that's on my instagram page and yeah <laughs> that's right oh you're talking about the water bottle thing. yeah the yeah. water bottle thing yeah you know that's that was funny we were on the uh um uh the sister's centennial ride there was these two women who rode motorcycles from new york to uh, uh san francisco and then down to um down to mexico like 100 years ago 
Yeah, hundred hundred more than hundred now. Um, and uh, uh, we were going through Nebraska, and I'm not knocking Nebraska, all right. But I'm saying there was plenty of time to come up with stuff to do while you're sitting on the bike, going in a straight line for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. And uh, and I piloted a uh, sidecar on that trip, and my uh, photographer friend Sarah Liberty, who you've probably heard that name, but uh, Sarah Liberty was sitting in the sidecar with me and and uh we just you know you get goofy man you just get goofy right and so we're flipping. sidecar is comfortable at 60 65 miles an hour you're on an 80 mile an hour road that you can't see anything in front of you for ever nothing's behind you so you gotta you gotta find the entertainment where you can oh yeah <laughs> uh you got any uh, upcoming motorcycle journeys uh, yeah, I do. You know, I, I bought this new 1290, uh, KTM nice. super adventure. Nice. Um, the beast, my God, it's 160 horsepower adventure bike. So like just over 500 pounds. It can carry a ton of crap and, and it did such a fantastic motorcycle. And, uh, I promised myself as I scaled my work back this year, I promised myself I'd go visit some, uh, friends and family. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be, uh, uh, turning some wheels, you know, Great. what we were saying earlier about being an enthusiast in this business is there's a quick way to, you can crush the enthusiasm out. If you think you're going to be riding bikes every single weekend and not have some responsibility around that, you're, you're not going to be in this game very long. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so what can we expect uh, from Robert Panja in the months to come? Well, uh, you know, we're going to keep churning on NuViz. You're going to be seeing that in a lot of uh, uh, major, like, non-motorcycling magazines. We've got a lot of interest from the tech world, from right. you know, popular mechanics and, you know, PopSci and and, uh, uh, and Mashable and, and digital trends and stuff like that. Um, so that that's going to be uh, really fun. Uh, I have been doing some consulting on a couple of NDA projects, uh, stuff that I'll Unfortunately, never really get a chance to talk about, but uh, um, but there is a little bit of satisfaction of sitting back and, and having that beer and, right. and seeing that thing roll out, and, and um, so that's that's a whole lot of fun. Um, I've got a uh, used Yamaha TW200 that I'm going to turn into a fat tire rat bike, um, <laughs> All right. just to just to annoy some people, just because, just to annoy some people, Good. and what I'm going to do. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's, you know, I mean, this is such a great industry. There's so many great people, but the truth is in your overall life, if you don't find time to just pause and take a breath and realize that it's not the number of friends you have on Facebook that count, it's the number of friends who you really care about, uh, that are in your heart. Uh, those are the ones Beautiful. that count. You gotta, you gotta take the time to go visit them and, and, and be around them. So sure. that's, that, that's my next adventure. Excellent. I'd like to hear that. Um, yeah. So how can people follow you and learn more about you and what you're doing? Well, I, you know, I hide on Instagram under the username Robert Pandia. Oh, wow. That's right. tough. Most of my Facebook stuff is public because, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't really have that much to hide, to be honest. <laughs> uh, okay. I, it, the stuff I, I needed to hide was years ago and I could have gotten fired for it, but that, that's all over. So that's good. Um, the, uh, and, uh, uh, we're Pandia brothers on Twitter, which I completely ignore Probably the last point the post was forever ago, right. but 
Yeah, and if there's anybody out there that's you know looking to hire a consultant that knows how to keep a secret, I'm on LinkedIn too. So it's easy enough to find Robert Pandia, and and you know I just I want to I appreciate anybody who's committed to the industry. Um, we were talking earlier about how much work it is to do a podcast and mm-hmm. and um, to put that up and do that. You know, so I appreciate you taking the time to do that for. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I appreciate my mom for listening to this point in the interview. <laughs> you, you are listening, right, mom? I hope so. And um, uh, but it's just you know the the, the com- anybody who's making the commitment to the industry is a is a friend. Period. Uh, and if you're doing uh, uh, really good work and, and you're bringing more people into the industry, then then you're a brother and a sister, and I appreciate it. Well, that's good. You know the uh, the motorcycle community. Uh, is uh, populated by people with a passion for right. our sport. And uh, we need to, uh, as, as a podcaster, my job is to promote that passion. And that's why, I mean, I'm that's why I have you here. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. I had a, I, it's a lot of fun talking with, you know, with any gearheads. It's a whole lot of fun. But, uh, uh, you know, getting to talk about industry stuff and, you know, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff is uh, uh, it's kind of a riot. Right. Like seeing all the outtakes from the Johnny Carson show or something. It's like that. <laughs> uh, wish it was that funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, any we'll parting get... words? Well, I just, you know, if uh, uh, to all the motorcycle friends out there, um, I want to say, uh, you know, thank you for being ambassadors. Uh, spend a little time answering the stupid questions because, you know, when a newbie wants to get in, they're going to ask dumb questions. And if you make them feel weird for asking a dumb question, that you may have turned that person off from riding for the rest of their lives. We're, we still haven't recovered from 2009 from a volume standpoint at all. Right. So we have to do everything we can to keep more riders riding, to protect our riding spaces and access to public lands is a massive issue. Oh, sure. Um, we can't abuse our privileges and be horrifically obnoxious loud pipe stuff just to be loud uh um you know uh that actually hurts more people than 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 uh than you than you can imagine uh and you know keep training and riding and never assume that the car sees you period thank you robert thank you very much for joining me and spending time to talk to me uh, about what you do and uh, the industry i appreciate it ride safe we'll see you out there thank you very much sir and thank you very much for listening to that interview with Robert Pandya from Spokespeople LLC. This was episode 101. And don't forget to please check out our sponsors, Ciro 3D, providing you with comfort, performance, and accessories for your big twin. And also uh, love-jugs.com. Cool off your, your big twin with uh, love jugs. And, of course, uh, don't forget to check out our friends over at Loud Pipes, Throttled Podcast, Motorcycles and Misfits, Cleveland Moto, uh, The Wheel Nerds, and I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but wow. And uh, that's it. Uh, By the way, listen, if you want to, you are welcome to call us and leave a message on our voicemail if you want. It's kind of funny uh, if you want to have some fun with us. And you can help out. You can join the show. And make the show a little bit more fun. So what you got to do is you got to call us and uh, leave us a little voicemail. And uh, we'll make that part of the show. And we look forward to hearing from you. And you can do that by calling 908-514-4070. Leave a message on the voicemail. And uh, 
Say whatever you want. We don't care. If it's too absurd, we won't play it, but whatever. All right. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. And come around next week. We're going to be talking about who the hell knows what. And we're going to have the results for the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, which you'll probably already know by then. But we're also going to talk about some other cool stuff. And we've got some really great guests coming up in the weeks to come. If you're into adventure travel, you're going to want to tune in. All right. Take care, boys and girls. Ride safe. And remember, we say stupid crap so you don't have to. 